Shots. We are here today. That's right. My partner is Joe Marshall. And this is Dr. Jesse Rines. What up? And we're here again at my house. That's right. And we are very lucky to have Patty Ryan here. It's Patty Ryan. The Green Queen, I think, is what I'm going to call her so far. Who knows? That might change over the course of the conversation. So Patty is someone that I, I met. It's a, he's, she's a sister of a friend of mine. And she told us some amazing things about what she's been doing. And uh, I uh, brought her here to tell you all because I think it's, it's inspirational and fascinating. Thank you for that. Sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, Glad to be here. I, uh, I've been in the casting business for a long time. When I first moved to L.A. 10 years ago, I came from the restaurant industry in San Francisco and always wanted to write and produce. So, of course, you've got to come here if you really are going to pursue it in a very hardcore manner. So I thought 10 years ago. Here I am 10 years later. I've been in the casting world. I've written for television and never felt like anything, anything I've ever worked on, whether it was King Kong, whether it was uh, Polar Express, whether it was Chicago Hope, Providence on NBC, None of them have been as fulfilling as the project I'm doing now. None of them. Uh, this has absolutely been a labor of love. I have family that are down in Biloxi, Mississippi. And when Katrina hit, we couldn't understand why no one in California, in fact, in most of the nation, weren't seeing anything from the area. Initially, journalists went in the first two days and were removed very quickly from the area. They did not want to show the toxic spills. They did not want people in there showing any bodies or any now, of the, the trauma. Who speaking of? Who removed those people? Um, that became martial law after the storm. So the National Guard, the Air Force Base down there, the Navy, um, there is also a NASA location so down the there. this is the U.S. government that did this? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They had to because of looters. They had to because of the dangers that were were out there, toxicity-wise and everything else, to, to have the journalists not be there. It was much safer for everybody involved for them to do that, as they were telling us. Um, we decided that, I decided after listening to my brother that lives down there, the pain in his voice was so strong, and he was trying to maintain an, air, an aura of strength for everybody down there. And when he spoke to me, he was taking moments to just have a breakdown, you know, have a chance to emote. And I kept saying, well, what is going on down there? We're not getting anything out here. We're not getting any pictures of what's happening in Mississippi. All we're seeing is New Orleans. And he said, you'll have to see it to believe it. And I was on a job touring across the nation for Dodge, trying to find their next Dodge Hemistar. And what's a Hemistar? It's, what is a, that? it's a type of engine that they use in one of the, the cars there. It's a huge gas-guzzling machine. Here I am on the opposite end of, of what I really would like to be doing, which is, is doing something for a higher good, doing something mm -hmm. for a planet, doing something for each other. And I'm working for Dodge, and I'm hearing that, uh, that nothing is happening down in Mississippi, and I'm saying, mm -hmm. why isn't this happening? So I finish up my job with Dodge. I utilize those funds that I received from that job and brought myself and another brother, the brother that uh, introduced us, Joel. Um, he's a survivor of the tsunami in India the year Jeffrey. before, Jeffrey. And Jeffrey and I went down in December to film with my, my brother that lives down there, Kelly. And when we arrived, cameras were still not allowed, but the military presence was definitely waning. The police effort was still very strong down there, and we were told not to utilize our cameras, not to step out of the car to shoot. Um, mm -hmm. There were no cameras happening down there except for one military camera at the time. So we did a little guerrilla filmmaking. We took our mini DVs and we just shot what we could. We interviewed people. We interviewed 
in places that were totally destroyed. We saw some things that would absolutely break your heart and make you humble immediately. Um, and at the same time, try, as a filmmaker, trying to stay detached enough to focus on the issues at hand. We had a very small amount of time there. We had to leave um, and come home for, for many reasons. And leaving, I just I felt incomplete. I have to go back. We, we, we've got a trash scowl. It's in trash the day here. This yeah. is the thing that's happening here. Okay, it's so moving you can hear now. some uh, bottles there in the background. But it uh, smells much cleaner now. It's quite it nice. Does. Now does. I thought that was scowls. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Um, it's good that someone's picking up the trash, yeah, at least. <laughs> you know? Uh, down there, uh, speaking of trash, when we first arrived, there were piles and piles of debris still. This was 100 days after the storm. Literally the hundredth day after the storm, we were there, and 90 Freeway, which runs along the Gulf Coast, was just opening in certain sections, and nobody had been down there to film it yet. So we felt very fortunate that we had the opportunity to do that. When I got home, Jeffrey's cause for the tsunami really overwhelmed him. He really felt from running for his own life in the tsunami, then seeing what happened down in Mississippi, he needed to continue his goals uh, and, and focus from what he felt from the tsunami and his experience. For me, I decided I'm going to take another friend of ours who's volunteered his time to not only edit, but to go back and shoot with me. And I said, come on, I'm buying the tickets, let's go. I will finance this documentary myself if it has to happen, but these people's stories need to be told and they need to be seen. So we went back down over Mardi Gras time. Now Mardi Gras, everyone thinks of New Orleans, but Mardi Gras originated in Mobile, Alabama hmm. for the United States. Really? So that whole coastline from Mobile, Alabama across the Mississippi Gulf Coast, which includes Biloxi and uh, Pass Christiane and Gulfport and many other little cities, um, they all have their own celebration. Mm -hmm. So we stayed in Biloxi for Mardi Gras. We filmed people within the destruction trying to have a good time and, and just for that day have a chance to have some fun and not be enveloped in the devastation and the depression that comes with that. The film that we got there opened up exponentially. Every time that we turned to talk to someone, they said, you need to talk to this other person. Mm -hmm. So we were fortunate mm -hmm. enough to get more interviews to go a little deeper in depth and find mm -hmm. out what was happening. And that was at the six-month point. At six months after the storm, people are still fighting to get a FEMA trailer. People are still living in tents. People are living in their own RVs if they can afford to, to do that. They're paying, if they do have a FEMA trailer, they are paying people who have been given money by FEMA to lease their property out hmm. so that people have a place to put their trailers because you obviously have to put uh, some type of sewage line right. from the trailer mm -hmm. and power to the trailer. So FEMA went in and leased property from all these different uh, churches and people who are private landowners for people to move their trailers on. Well, these people move in and they're having to pay. And then they have... And they have no jobs. They have no... Most of the buildings are destroyed. Mm -hmm. So they don't have access to money. They have a very limited income, let alone that they get money. If they were lucky enough to get money from FEMA, they're being told by FEMA that they can only use it for certain items. Mm -hmm. They're still down there suffering. They're still down there fighting every day. The insurance companies are arguing, was it wind or was it water? If you were lucky enough to have flood insurance, maybe you got some money, but for the most part, a lot of people are still suffering tremendously. And that the government is still making people pay property taxes. They're paying their mortgages. They're paying the insurance on homes that do not exist. So this sounds um, a bit different from what you had um, been, been doing. You gave a list of very interesting fiction features that you have worked on, and all of a sudden, 
Um, rather than the chaos of the Hollywood, you're in the real chaos of the Gulf region now. Absolutely. So what was it like? And now you're on the other side of, well, you're not on the other side of the camera. You're, ca you're usually casting, and now yes. you're shooting and directing, right? And I'm learning how to edit as well. I mm -hmm. My editor got a fantastic job and is having a baby in a month. So I encouraged him, absolutely, you have to take that job. You have to support your family. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, I thought, you know, I'm going to have to learn how to edit mm -hmm. because all of our um, all of our material was already loaded within his editing bay, and mm -hmm. he has a fantastic media setup uh, at his home. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Evan Fisher, and he's with Fisher Media Productions. Okay. He is a phenomenal human being and uh, taught me how to work with Final Cut Pro. Gave okay. me two hours of time mm -hmm. to sit down, and it was enough for me to be able to piece enough material together for him to clean it up at night when he gets home. Mm -hmm. So we've put together a 10-minute loop to show at a fundraiser which we're throwing uh, to continue shooting the documentary. We're doing, a, that we're doing that on May 20th, a week May from 20th. tomorrow. Okay. It will be at Siren Studios, mm -hmm. which is at 6063 Sunset Boulevard, mm -hmm. just east of Gower. We're providing live comedy, right. live music, a DJ. There will be auctions with paintings, sculpture, jewelry, massage uh, gift certificates, wow. uh, feng shui gift certificates, mm -hmm. private yoga, um, phenomenal mm -hmm. amounts of response from people. I think th just throwing the fundraiser alone has shown me how much people really want to expand their humanity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In, a, in a very good. good, enlightened way. Joel, I think that in, in that regard, we might have to bump whoever we have coming up um, this week and put this on because the fundraiser is only a week there. away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That so would be wonderful. That, that's, that's our little contribution to this. Is that all right with you, Joe? Sure. I think Fantastic. what we'll do is we'll put it up tonight as, as the episode tonight. Yeah. Um, I, you were telling us something about people burning garbage down there. Yes. Um, the sad fact is, along with all of the corruption we're seeing, obviously from New Orleans' situation, the levees weren't built correctly. They were supposed to be pylons of 47 feet deep, and most of them were only 10 to 17 feet deep mm -hmm. in New Orleans. There's been a lot of palm greasing in the South for a long time, especially in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. In Mississippi, of course, there's still some good old boys there. And originally the thought was to take all the debris. Now we're talking 35 miles long and four and a half to five blocks deep of complete wipeout, complete it looks like a nuclear wasteland. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, because the surge was so high in the water, it went back into the back bios and creeks mm -hmm. and rivers and flooded things that are eight miles off of the Gulf. Wow. People who do not have flood insurance, who lost right. everything. So in that, um, I'm sorry, I lost the point, uh, the thread of that. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, the, the amount of debris from that in particular, because people are having to go in and mow their homes down, they're so completely molded by the time inspectors go in to check the toxicity levels mm -hmm. and make all the, the game plan for people to come in. At this point, people are still paying their mortgages, insurance, and whatnot. Yeah. And then they're having to pay to have somebody come in and demolish it. Then they're having to pay to have somebody come pick up the debris. Now, initially, they had trash people removing stuff. FEMA had contracted people to remove trash. Where were they going to put it? Mm -hmm. And someone who was definitely trying to do some higher good said, let's utilize all the that were destroyed, use the property in the unified school system, and let them t get the money for storing the debris. I don't understand. Uh, the way FEMA works in order to help this infrastructure of cleaning up the massive amounts of devastation, they go in and say, okay, well, let's um, 
give money to this property, like the churches, to, to have okay. trailers parked. Mm -hmm. Well, they were trying to do the same for the, for the unified school districts to get money into the unified school district to help them rebuild by storing the debris until it could be removed and, and placed oh, elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But in that, three good old boys down in Mississippi said, oh, hell, you don't have to do that. We've got property out in the backwoods out here. We've got huge plots of land. Why don't we take the debris and we'll take care of it? Now, I'm mm -hmm. using quotes around take care of it because taking care of it down there, even in a no-burn zone, because they have not had rain basically since that storm. It's a it's complete brush down there, so one spark goes, a lot of brush fires mm -hmm. start. I would drive around uh, going to different areas to film, and I'm looking up seeing these three different giant plumes of purple smoke burning. So I tracked down a couple of my contacts down there, and I said, what is going on? And they said, they're burning the debris. Wow. Now, burning the debris means lead paint. It mm -hmm. means all mm -hmm. of the metal pieces that are in it. It means all of that toxic waste basically mm -hmm. going right back into the air down there. It's the I'm sure that somebody felt that is the most efficient and, mm -hmm. and timely way to take care of it. And yet, at the same time, that was the possibility of utilizing a lot of that landfill if they wanted to build up any properties. Ah, so that's the suggested way of doing using it. But you still have the lead. Then. They still have. They would have to remove the lead. It would be a tremendous process for them. I, I don't think that our government financially could handle the weight of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that our government financially could handle the weight of another catastrophe happening anywhere. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason that I went down there to to film this wasn't just for the people's stories down there because it's horrific and, and trying to rebuild humanity after catastrophe mm -hmm. is a very difficult struggle. Right. They're so hospitable. They have that southern hospitality mm -hmm. that when I talk to them, they're like, listen, we have a warning when the next hurricane comes. We'll all be gone. But y'all out in California, you don't have a warning with an earthquake. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Are you prepared mm -hmm. on your daily basis? When wow. you're road raging in traffic at a guy driving a truck next to you, you better be careful because if a catastrophe happens, he might be the same guy that's pulling you out of the rubble. That's true. That's the the movie Crash really Crash, shows that. Yeah. Crash. Mm -hmm. that. That it can come back around and you do not know who's going to be the one reaching out. Mm -hmm. or you don't know who's going to be putting out a gas fire on your back when you're running out of your apartment That's on right. fire. I mean, literally, mm -hmm. you don't know who that person's going to be. Mm -hmm. Because the government is not going to be that person coming in. It's not going to be the National Guard mm -hmm. coming to pull you out of that fire. So it's going to be your neighbor. Actually, even though you've, you've told about a lot of these um, really unfortunate situations for people, you're not saying that the government in writ large, is quote-unquote at fault. Absolutely they're at fault for not being there right away. I think that's what we pay taxes for on a federal level, on a state mm -hmm. level, on a local level. Um, when the federal government, after this destruction, is saying, let the cities decide how they're going to mm -hmm. function. Uh, you've got 15 different cities just along the, the Mississippi Gulf Coast. You have 15 different mayors trying to make decisions, and half of them are only in office for a couple months before the storm. Mm -hmm. Some of them have never had political experience before. Mm -hmm. A lot of them do not know how to build an infrastructure or how to maintain it, mm -hmm. and it's destroyed. Well, how do you go about, from a, a government level, because, you know, like we do have individual rights, we have states' rights, we have the rights of the locality. Um, how do you go about getting the federal government to just supersede all of those rights. Is there a law, for instance, that exists now or existed before Katrina that would allow mm -hmm. for that, or are you suggesting that some kind of a law be put in place for that? There originally, uh, if, 
if you go back and look at FEMA before it was uh, downsized tremendously, they were downsized, I believe it was by 70 to 80% when they were put under Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. They were running very effectively. If you look at Florida, they, they helped Florida tremendously through all of those hurricanes that Florida continues to suffer. Uh, FEMA was Johnny on the spot, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And when they were downsized, of course, a lot of the head people were removed, and then all these people that had no experience were brought in underneath this giant tent called Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. But all Homeland Security really did was take away from all these programs that were in place, mm-hmm. downsize them, and shove them underneath okay, one tent. Mm-hmm. Originally, there were czars. You can appoint mm-hmm. a czar to go in and make choices to help you to say, okay, a great example to me, I, I would have loved to see Colin Powell come in and say, okay, let's, let's be a little more organized and a little more focused on this. If mm-hmm. someone had said... Colin, can you go in and help these people out and be more organized? Mm-hmm. Having someone who is um, with a military background like himself going in, having that, that structure, that mm-hmm. organization, that discipline is very important when it's complete chaos. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, the National Guard didn't come in for four to five days. Mm-hmm. They didn't get razor wire down along the railroad tracks to stop looters. Mm-hmm. Looting happened immediately. The minute the water receded, mm-hmm. people that had swam for their lives, had lost everything, were battered, ripped, and torn, climbing over 25-foot piles of debris mm-hmm. to even get to the railroad tracks. Get to the railroad tracks and are almost mowed down by looters. Wow. Because we have, I, in my belief, we have separated financial status so extremely. We have the poor and we have the wealthy. We, we don't really have a middle class anymore. You know, you've, you're In hoping Mississippi for the lo- or na- nationally? Nationally. We're, we're all hoping to win the mega millions. We're all mm-hmm. hoping, hoping that we're going to hit the jackpot so that being able to buy a home isn't such a far off right. thing. Being mm-hmm. able to fill your car with gas isn't mm-hmm. such a, a traumatic thing when you go to the gas pump when you have money. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are more without than with. Mm-hmm. And in that of course people are going to be upset. Of course they're going to mm-hmm. say, where's mine, mm-hmm. and be out there. Um, chaos um, happens and erupts quickly after a catastrophe. It brings out the good, the bad, and the ugly in mm-hmm. humanity. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do but you have a ton of footage at this point? or We need more. Uh, there's people that we still haven't been able to interview. It was too difficult still at six months, like for the Vietnamese community. Um, there was a huge Vietnamese community down in, in Biloxi, Mississippi, and in Gulfport because they are shrimpers. They're the ones that are going out with all of us, buying all those Mm -hmm. frozen bags of shrimp. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is coming from the Vietnamese shrimpers down in Mm -hmm. in our Gulf Coast. And their community was wiped out by about 90%. We're talking physical populace. People? People. Killed? In one of the homes there, a family of nine were found stacked on top of each other from the way the water came back out after it drowned them. And, and the people that are left in the community, um, there is a wonderful family down there uh, from La Bakerie, which is a, a, the finest patisserie I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. I've been a- across the world, and these people really know how to, to satisfy your soul through food. Mm-hmm. They were given by the, the mayor of Biloxi, A.J. Holloway, who is really the only mayor down there who has really taken the bull by the horns and brought business back in and trying to rebuild and, and bring community back together made sure that their bakery was reopening because their bakery, people come from all over, including from Atlanta to come. Mm-hmm. The guy that mm-hmm. I met from EPA came from Atlanta to buy turnovers from this woman. Wow. And How Brett. Is Atlanta from there? Atlanta's a good couple hours drive, you know, wow. to get down there. So um, these <coughs> sweet Vietnamese people, they are first-generation American, so they, mm-hmm. their English is 
beautiful, and their Vietnamese is also very lovely to listen to them speak Vietnamese with each other. But they were so traumatized and are so busy at their bakery. They're open seven days a week. They work 90-hour work weeks because everybody is so excited to have something that feels normal mm -hmm. to go to the bakery and pick mm -hmm. up something. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, next door and all the way down the blocks, everything's destroyed, all the houses and everything right. else. But people are driving specifically to this bakery to see them, to make sure they're okay. And we need to go back and talk to the Vietnamese community. We need to go back and speak to the mayor of Biloxi. We need to go back and look at the toxic waste and all the things that, that are not being talked about. We need to go look at the debris line. Now, mind you, when, that, when a 40-foot surge comes in, it's not just one wave. It's continual waves coming in with the surge. Um, it came in so far and pulled so many homes and buildings and destroyed so much that it's pulled all that back out into the water. Oh, right. The Navy's biggest yeah. concern is how do we resurvey the Gulf? It's changed so dramatically. Mm -hmm. Debris line is 12 miles out. When I was there last, two guys were out fishing and as they were coming back in with their fish, <sighs> the boat runs up on something, shoots them out of the boat, they got to swim back to the boat and as they swim back they realize the boat is on the top of a roof of a house. Wow. And they are miles out in the Gulf fishing. Wow. Hmm. Amazing. And nobody's really talking about the oil rigs or that, you know, mm -hmm. there's destruction out there. You said something um, that interested uh, me before. You just mentioned, made a mention of feng shui. Mm -hmm. Now, when you, feng shui has to do with the, um, um, the proper positioning of a building for good luck, let's say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, how does that apply in, in, in this? How do we talk about feng shui and the success or the use of it in a situation like this? Where did luck go? Where did luck go? And we're talking about massive casinos mm -hmm. uh, that were completely destroyed. Hard Rock was ready, had 1,400 employees on board, trained, ready to go. They were supposed to open mm -hmm. Labor Day weekend, mm -hmm. uh, three days after the storm. Um, you look at uh, Treasure Bay, totally destroyed. Uh, Grand Casino, totally destroyed. Uh, many of the casinos, totally destroyed. That the luck is gone. You know, yeah. you look at these places that were bringing in a large mm -hmm. sum of money for the state, mm -hmm. for Let the me community. Ask, ask uh, our audience if people out there are familiar with feng shui. I'd like to know how you see it working in this context. Um, if um, luck does come, and I really don't have a lot of understanding of feng shui, I'd like to be informed. I'd like to be informed. Tell me how feng shui works. It would be interesting if they chose it. to use somebody that maybe had a lot of experience and went in to help them with their infrastructure. Mm -hmm. They are, you're dealing with people that are very old school. Mm -hmm. um, most of the people in Mississippi were hardcore Republicans before this storm. That has mm -hmm. dramatically changed. Really? Just because of this? Oh. They are disgusted with the way things have enveloped. Mm -hmm. they, they know that Bush has come down there about a dozen times mm -hmm. to survey the Gulf. But I, I think it's a little different if you come down and you see something a few times. If you come down a dozen times and you're still not appointing somebody to help the situation out, then what good are you really right. doing? And this is what you're talking about, that Colin Powell would have been a really good... Would have been a great, uh, great czar to come in. That's Absolutely. a very interesting idea. Do you find it dif uh, dangerous to yourself to be down there filming? Absolutely. Um, it is dangerous. There are toxic things still on the ground. There's E. coli everywhere. And in Gulfport itself, there was a warehouse right on the water containing a million pounds of pork and chicken. Not only does that get wasted when the electricity goes out, but when you have a 40-foot wave coming through the warehouse, it, sh it put chicken and pork a mile and a half in into the neighborhoods. And that's dangerous. There's all kinds of pollution. Unbelievable. I think that we haven't even begun to see some of the diseases that are mm -hmm. going to crop up. 
Um, it's intense when you when you go down there and the, and the toxic level of people saying, you know, be careful. We were wiping our shoes and our hands and anything with Clorox towels, Clorox wet towels, to antibacterial everything, even mm -hmm. our cameras, you know, anything. Okay. Uh, right. Because you're unsure while you're there. You know, any scratch or cut that you get, you better be ready to prepare yourself because... Mm -hmm. They don't really know what the toxic levels are. The right. EPA has been, been more than helpful giving us details, but realistically, are those reports correct? Mm -hmm. Is you anybody know? upset that you're down there filming? Yes. Uh, I did have two incidents. Both of them were in New Orleans. I went by myself after my editor had to leave and come home, my other shooter, Evan. Uh, I went down to New Orleans by myself. It is a ghost town. Um, I, I know New that... Orleans is? Everyone's saying, oh, come on down for Mardi Gras, come on down for Jazz Fest. Yes, all of that is fine and well and good. Yes, some hotels are back up. The French Quarter has never got drowned. It's, it's fine. It's, it's, uh, it's a strange feeling there, though. Mm -hmm. it, it feels like a ghost town. When you drive out to any of the, the suburban areas attached to New Orleans, any of the places that were drowned, mm -hmm. it is eerie mm -hmm. and uh, uncomfortable. Should people who have not lived in um, that area before, who maybe are able to pick up roots, um, should they consider going there? Would, it, would there be any value in other people? Let's say if I said, you know, I've always liked New Orleans and now it's a chance for me to help. Is, is that something that... I, I run into people frequently that, that want to purchase homes or go down and purchase some land down there. I think... The best advice I can give anyone regarding wanting to, to be down in New Orleans or even anywhere down in the Mississippi Gulf Coast is to do your homework. Do the research to find out who's making the choices of rebuilding. Mm -hmm. What are the laws behind that? They're deciding whether they need to raise homes up higher. Mm -hmm. You know, Are they going to come in and want to purchase it from you to build condos and casinos? Because that is really what's happening down there. Mm -hmm. It's really what should happen down there. Um, it's unfortunate that that's the way it is, but the world changes and we've got to change with it to a certain mm -hmm. extent. In order to bring money back into the communities, yes, we're going to have to see some condos and casinos being built. Yes, we are going to have to be aware of the fact that those are most likely not American builders. We have a mm -hmm. lot of Chinese people coming in and purchasing a lot of land people from in the United States. from mainland China or Chinese Americans? Mainland China. Uh-huh. Mainland okay. China. Huge investors with a lot of money coming uh -huh. in. Um, Japanese, not as much as the Chinese. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of limitations being placed everywhere. Um, Harris tried to go into Gulfport, Mississippi, and that mayor, who's tremendously inexperienced, Brent Moore, uh, told them that he would not allow them to build where they wanted to build. They, mm -hmm. He said, no, you have to build right on the water. Well, here's a, a massive amount of money coming into your city, and you're turning it away, and you have property that people are ready to sell because there's nothing left on the property. Right. Mm -hmm. And they sure as heck don't want to be right at the water for the next hurricanes coming mm -hmm. through. Those people are ready to sell, mm -hmm. and he's limiting them. They can't sell their property. They're sitting here going, I have buyers. Why can't I sell my property? I'm paying the insurance. I'm paying all this stuff out. As one of my friends said, you know, this storm has already cost him over $300,000. And they are not working. Their jobs are gone. Those buildings are gone. Part mm -hmm. of what they were doing to invest was their rental property, mm -hmm. which now are also gone. Well, speaking of uh, investors and, and buying and selling, I wonder what venue are you looking at showing this film in when you're completed with it? And mm -hmm. also, how are you going to get the, the rest of the funding? Uh, I know you're having Great a questions. fundraiser. Great questions. Um, but, you know, there's more money to be made, I'm sure. Yes, and for us, uh, initially, that money, we also want people to know that, that 
the biggest thing for me is this is not about money. This mm -hmm. is not about me going out as a filmmaker to, to make my mark and let's get some money out of it. To me, this whole project is about showing the struggle to rebuild and heightening our awareness with each other and perhaps doing some higher good. The profits from this documentary, once it is shown, we'd like, we'd like it to go into independent theaters. I would love to be driving past Lemley Sunset 5 and see Biloxi Blues, a post-Katrina documentary right up there. Mm -hmm. You'd rather see it there than in AMC 5 screen? Hey, if it goes big, great. If somebody oh, okay. really wants to do that, as long as there's an understanding that the profits mm -hmm. from this, mm -hmm. especially the initial profits, if people need to make money back as distributors or, or the larger companies, which they always do, mm -hmm. they attach a number or to the it. the theater owners. The theater yeah. owners, and I they will. that would be a fine gesture. Well, we're going to build a we're going to build a community center down there. Okay. We want it to function also as a shelter, as a as a place that provides some type of therapy. There is nothing happening down there. The suicide oh. rate, the the elderly are giving up left and right. A friend of mine just called and said a 30 year old friend of ours hung himself in his house because oh. he he's lost everything. The insurance companies are telling him they're not giving him. He wasn't in a floodplain and his house was flooded with eight feet of water. So you can't are provide those things for anyone. going to be in your documentary? How do you portray those? We have interviewed a lot of people down there. Mm -hmm. um, people who were upset about everything from, from their own mm -hmm. struggle to survive to their neighbor having to live in a tent and mm -hmm. he's 70 years old. Why is this guy living in a tent? Why doesn't he have a FEMA trailer? Are you inviting um, relevant politicos to come out? Um, would you, if you, for your fundraiser, might you in, um, ask the mayor? of um, New Orleans or Biloxi to come out, or the, the senator. We definitely will area. be. This initial fundraiser is to, uh, we wanted to keep it grassroots. We've been offered some money from large corporations that want to go in and build casinos. They want contacts mm -hmm. down in Biloxi. I'm not going to sell out mm -hmm. uh, for any amount of money. This is not about the money, like I said. Uh, we're doing grassroots fundraising because I want people who are willing to put their love and their, their concern and their prayers into this project. Mm -hmm. So we're doing it as grassroots so that I can get initial funding to go back and finish the filming that we need to do. Mm -hmm. Then when we come back and have the whole documentary cut, we'll throw a larger Big Guns party. We'll bring okay, in some politicos and larger mm -hmm. people from studios. Mm -hmm. Have you made a, a non-for-profit organization, or how do you set this non up? Non-profit is a very difficult, we, we've made it very difficult in the state of California. We've made it very difficult federally. You have to go for, through a tremendous process. It can take anywhere from three to six to eight months mm -hmm. to get all of your paperwork. Then on top of that, you've got to go through other processes. You have to pay tremendous fees to do all of this. Mm -hmm. um, the way that uh, our tax system works, it's almost easier for people to to give what they can and take it as a loss mm -hmm. for the project. If people want to give um, a sum of money that they feel they would love to see back, mm -hmm. they want to give to it to see it <coughs> and if it it does make money. Can we get the money back? Great. If people are coming and saying, well, we want to come in, but we want to make a profit, that's going to have to be the higher-end people who are willing to distribute. Right. Um, we, don't, we don't literally want people to feel like this is something to profit from. It's definitely something to contribute to. Suppose you were able to come in under the wing of um, Goodwill or something like yes. that and use their 501c3, their nonprofit status. Would that kind of thing work? If somebody wanted to come in and use their nonprofit status, uh, it would. We'd be more than happy to entertain that idea. Um, it's always lovely if somebody does want to use their their mm -hmm. nonprofit status and come in instead of us having to create it. Right. So I'm open to that. I'm yeah. open to people if they want to know, you know, more so about it. Absolutely. way that our audience can get involved. If um, you are having involvement with Goodwill or any of the nonprofit organizations, um, you might ask them to contact you where. Patty Ryan at PR Productions, 
The email address is p-a-t-t-e-y-r-y-a-n-e at hotmail.com. I'd be more than happy to give you some information. And you can um, contact us um, for Patty's information at filmshots at filmshots.net. That's right. And you can come to our website, of course, if you're not there already, right. and uh, see some information about Patty, and then we can uh, you know, forward you wherever you need to be. Right. Um, I think that we're about ready to wrap it up here. Yeah, it's been a good conversation. Yeah, it's been a really very good. touching conversation for me. It's, um, it's kind of opened my eyes to some things and, you know, made my heart ache a little bit too for the people there. Uh, that is my intention as well as us um, creating a way to have some laughter. Their sense of humor in the South is absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. They are trying so hard to maintain their sense of pride and their, their, their sense of humor uh, while they, they fight this struggle, mm -hmm. fight the real fight. Mm -hmm. Um, it makes well, me more patient in traffic here. It makes me more patient every day in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people here. It's very frenetic. But no one's sawing your arm off, and you're not jumping out of a burning building, and you're mm -hmm. not drowning in a 40-foot wave. Right. So you must be okay. That's, that's you're doing great. You're, doing, you're nine miles point. ahead of everybody else in a 10-mile race. For the grace of God. There, but for yeah. the grace of God, go I absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I want everybody to, to take an opportunity every day for themselves to feel blessed. And if you're having a bad day, go out and turn somebody's day around. If you're in the That's worst mood idea. ever, go talk, go mm -hmm. walk up to somebody and compliment them. Mm -hmm. Put a smile on someone's face. It'll put a smile right back on yours. Mm -hmm. It's about bringing joy back into the world. We have a lot of evil empire shit happening, right. and we need to bring more joy. Okay, well, yeah, I guess it's time for the um, film bite. I, I'll jump in there first. Um, I think it's, for me, what I've learned in this half an hour is, um, or what I've reminded myself of is, is just that, just look around you, see what's happening outside of yourself, see if Absolutely. maybe you can help somebody else. Absolutely. You know, uh, just there are little things that you can do and there are very large things that you can do like you're doing. But if you follow your heart and really pay attention to what's going on around you, that makes a huge difference. And I want the young filmmakers out there to know that not a, a, a shooter. I've never really worked with cameras. I've never directed anything. I've never edited anything. But grab your mini DV. Do what you got to do. Go out and shoot what you need to shoot. Um, everybody has a vision. What is your vision? What do you want to show us? What do you want to tell us? What is your story? My um, film bite, which is my story for today, is um, it it's really um, comes out of something that Patty and I were talking about right before this. And um, filmmakers, one of the things that can really move you forward, get you, if not money, but um, props and things like that for your film, is product placement. Think about placing products in your films. And in this case, how about green products? Absolutely. If you are able to go out and get, what kinds of some of the things, that's green products that someone might use? There are many green products. If you are looking to insulate your home, there's many recycled products, including there's a program that where they use denim and cotton uh, for insulation, and they treat it for bugs and mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. It is um, an incredible product to keep your home mm -hmm. warm or cool for that matter. Uh, biodiesel, converting mm -hmm. any diesel engines to biodiesel, which uses vegetable oil. It's a, it's a much cleaner mm -hmm. way to run your vehicle. Right. It's much mm -hmm. less expensive, obviously, than what we're paying right now. So the way you would probably do this, for instance, is you, if you have someone who stops at a gas station, there might be a discussion between he and his partner in the car, or she and her partner in the car. Wait a minute. 
can't we use biodiesel now? This company. I think you're opening up a whole new thing. I'm wondering in a documentary if you can stage such a thing. Well, not in a documentary. <laughs> you're saying in other films. In, in, yeah, in other films. Okay. In a feature. When you have a feature, Absolutely. Um, you will see, if you see Pepsi or Tide detergent or any of those things in the commercial, those people have paid to have that product placed right. in their film. It's yes. not there by accident. Yes. They have paid to do it. When I was in um, graduate film school, um, what we did is we once got cases and cases of Budweiser products. Mm -hmm. They just gave us all the beer they, we could handle. We had it for months just to have Budweiser featured in our, our film. Mm -hmm. And that was a short film. They made no money, but they want you to get used to doing that. And you can do that with green products. We are doing that absolutely with, um, <clears throat> with all kinds of different companies for the fundraiser as well. Um, mm -hmm. I really learned that you have to reach out. Um, I'm somebody who likes to take care of other people and it took me a long time to be able to say, you know what, wait a minute, I need everybody else's help with this incredible project mm -hmm. because it's not about my person, this is about all of us. Mm -hmm. This is about all of us working together. All of because us the together. world is frenetic and crazy right now and it's going to get a little more staticky and harder to deal with. The good versus evil, the love versus fear, all mm -hmm. of those old adages, that's what's happening right now every mm -hmm. day. We have to focus more on the things that bring us love. Bring us love, and that is a beautiful note for us to end film shots today on. All right, Patty, thank you for being here. Thank you. It was absolutely my my pleasure. Anytime, anytime. It was really great. Very yeah. informative. All right. All right, and we will uh, see you next week. Thank you for listening. And you remember to contact film shots at filmshots at filmshots.net. Bye, y'all. <laughs>